0: Month after month, those charged with safeguarding digital assets see cybersecurity threats increasing. That's the takeaway from the Index of Cybersecurity, which reflects the views of chief information security officers and chief risk officers, as well as academicians engaged in IT security and risk management and chief scientists at security product vendors selected by the Index's publishers. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to welcome back the co-publishers of the Index, Dan Gere and Makul Parikh. Welcome, gentlemen, and thanks for speaking again.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: We first spoke just over a year ago, shortly after you launched the Index of Cybersecurity. You set the benchmark in in March 2011 at 1,000. Since then, the index has increased by about 30%. What does such an increase mean?
2: Well, strictly speaking, it means that the people who are the respondents, who are, as you say, professionals in the field, have viewed the overall risk as seen from their individual positions as having increased uh, substantially over time and to increase on a relatively regular basis as well. Unless you want to argue that the experts in the field are in some way misinformed, it is telling us that the the, the risk in the cybersecurity arena is itself growing. And by asking people who have uh, the kinds of job descriptions that you mentioned, we think we're getting the best information available for something that is otherwise largely unmeasurable.
0: Looking at the chart of the index over the past year, I see a line representing the trajectory of the index angling upward at about 45 degrees. And that suggests, as your results show, a steady month-after-month month increase of the index of about 2%, give or take a few tenths of a percentage point. Why are the month-to-month increases in the index so consistent? Well, it's a good question, one that both Mokal and
2: I have talked about a fair bit. One thing that has not been the case. Let me just say one thing that that widely published number doesn't reveal is that the contribution to that increase that you see there month over month is not always the same factors. We ask 20 questions or so, and those 20 questions are then pooled on an on a um, on an even basis. They're not weighted. They're pooled on an even basis to form the overall index of cybersecurity. And in any given month, what is the most influential issue whether it's malware or hacktivism or counterparties or some, you know, any of the other things we ask about that has varied a great deal but what hasn't varied or what is as you see there in that picture relatively steady is the increase on the other hand the rate of increase does vary month by month and the constituents of what contribute that rate of increase vary even more month to month. I would say that this is sort of an open question yet as to what's going on here, other than, of course, methodologically speaking, what's going on here
0: is we are asking experts what they see. And what's your takeaway when you see this kind of increase?
1: I probably would not focus so much on the rate of increase because it is what it is. And that is what the respondents are telling us. And in fact, you know, as Dan mentioned, uh, both I and Dan, we continue to be surprised month after month receiving a similar increase. And really, this isn't something that was planned as part of the design of the index or and it wasn't something that we were expecting either. But at the same time, I must say that we didn't know what to expect when we started the index. So whatever we are seeing is, is just news to us. But let me answer your question in a slightly different way. So when I look, at, look back at the index over the past 12 months, what do I see? Is there anything that I know today from the trajectory and from the different components of the aggregate index that I did not know before? And I think from my perspective, the answer is a resounding yes. And this is, as Dan mentioned, between the different sub indices, uh, there is considerable uh, variation and things moving up and down uh, between the different months. At a high level, uh, when we started the index, we were aware of where the risks lay. But what the index made clear to us was what the priorities of security professionals were amongst the risks. In the early days of the index, for example, uh, malware in all its different flavors, it made the top risk for a number of months. But over time, the risk actually shifted to something where on, on one's own, a security professional may never see it go given the traditional emphasis on botnets, viruses, APT, and all of that stuff. So our practitioners actually pointed to the risks from sharing data with others in their value chain as the most important risk. And of course, that kind of makes sense when you look at it this way. Just like you have a physical supply chain for the bricks and mortar world, you have a similar value addition chain in the information world. And people have expressed the fact that they have little control over the security controls that vendors and customers and agents and other people that they deal with um, the, the controls that they apply to the information that they receive, and they have expressed this sort of helplessness, if I may call it that, in the extent to which they worry about it. So that was an interesting revelation. And in the same way, there were other things uh, that we found from the index you know, as we carried it on over the past 12 months. And, you know, another example was in the early days of the index, the nation state that uh, came out, you know, close to the, it made its place in the top three, and it is not there today. But with the rise of the, uh, with the anonymous stuff, the Wall Street Occ- Occupy Wall Street and all the other things that have been going on, uh, we saw that, the, that those risks have been switching places uh, with, with other risks that were uh, rated highly in the early days of the index. I won't pay too much attention to the 2% or the 45-degree rise. And I think the 45-degree rise can be a bit misleading because that's a function of the scale, which, as you will notice, starts at 1,000, and it would have been a different angle had we started at zero.
0: It's interesting. The last couple of months, one of the high areas of concern, is, as you just said, things such as the anonymous attacks, the hacktivism that's out there. As you know, uh, you know, there are many IT security professionals who feel that maybe concentration on something like the hacktivist threat sort of camouflages more serious threats that IT organizations face. Is the news somewhat dictating what's happening out there as a concern rather than maybe uh, some other kind of analysis?
2: That's a question we get asked fairly often and let me just say it, it's correlated but we don't know which way causality works because to a degree news stories are derived from the, various, the very experts that we are polling or people like them. In other words, which way is the causality running? Are there news reports because people who have important jobs in this space are telling what they see or are the people who have important jobs in this space Feeling various things because they've read it in the uh, the newspaper, so to speak. And we don't know which way causality goes, but uh, goes. But we do know that press coverage and what is thought to be the top risk in a given month are not one for one at all. There tends to be some relation, but not enough to say that they are in some way causally related. It's just it's just fascinating, is all I can say.
0: The index is an avocation for both of you. You both have day jobs as the chief information security officer for Dan and from a cool uh, risk management uh, expert. When you see this kind of results, uh, are, are you somehow taken by surprise that you know this is all of a sudden what they're saying is uh, a concern?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, for one, I, I think in, in the area that I practice in, I, I mean, there is there's always some surprise that comes out from uh, what we do on the index on a month-to-month basis. So one source, for example, of information which is which we find quite interesting and telling is the comments that respondents provide as part of their responses. Uh, we do include those comments in our monthly reports, and people actually make specific references to the kinds of threats that they are facing. In fact, there have been occasions where some very senior people have reported that they are personally being targeted, and which is you know which is interesting because that suddenly makes people like me think, hey, do we need to be doing to do more about key people in our own organization, and that's one example. And another example I can give you, for example, is um, and this is this is on the other end of the risk scale, which means we are not talking about the risk increasing, but the perception actually improving. And this this one is a revelation, at least to us, was the increase in information sharing that our respondents have been reporting. Now. Generally, information sharing between industry participants is a low-key activity that does not get a great deal of publicity or notice in the press, so you would not know about it otherwise. But clearly, industry groups and consortiums, national cert organizations, the ISACs, and other forums that companies are increasingly participating in are making a noticeable impact. The sub-index for information sharing has consistently shown a decrease in each and every month since the inception of the index. I think that is, is very telling. And in one of our uh, communiques to our members, we actually asked for examples of how do you see this information sharing happening? And, and, and these industry forums and, um, you know, sometimes government-sponsored or brokered uh, industry partnerships were was what people pointed to. So I think these things are having an impact. And this is not the kind of stuff you would normally see in the media, which tends to focus more on the hype and the sensational.
0: Would you consider that one of the big takeaways, one of the big findings of of your survey that organizations are are sharing more information and and are they doing it mostly through industry groups or individually? I won't say it's a surprise, but it's gratifying.
2: Obviously enough, if you don't share information, you will never know whether you are a a target of choice or a target of opportunity. By sharing information, you can learn such things as that. And we're hoping, in fact, that that's one of the things that our respondents uh, get out of this. I, I don't know if it was clear, but let me let me now attempt to make it clear. In addition to the, the the chart and number that you see on the public website, for people who are respondents, we also give them a considerable more amount of detail for this. And in a way, I, you know, in a sense, you could argue that that's information sharing as well. What we're doing with our respondents, who obviously are contributing their time and uh, to something that we're working on, is we give them back. The detailed analysis of of the overall of the components of the overall index on a question by question basis, and in doing so, we are giving them information that they couldn't get anywhere else, just like they're giving us information that we couldn't get anywhere else, and so it's a bit symbiotic in that regard. and And the fact that information sharing is thought to be an improving uh, aspect of the overall uh, cybersecurity arena, arena. uh, maybe we're doing our part in that regard. Otherwise, though, the respondents are nameless to everyone except us, and and in our case, we can't even tell what they're answering. The thanks to their thankless work is all I know to all I know to say. And in a, in a way, the thanks that we give them back, or the way we express our thanks, is to share uh, details with them.
0: There are a lot of other organizations, obviously, who'd be interested in, in in the results of your surveys. Is there a way that they can get some additional information?
2: We're hoping that we can increase the number of respondents by a substantial number, by a substantial ratio. And part of that would be to be reaching organizations that currently are not part of our pool. And once they are part of our pool, they do get the very thing you're speaking of. Now, can someone else just subscribe to it or whatever? Well, so far we've decided not to do that. So far we've said that the people who get to see the details are the people who give us details. We could be argued out of that, but that's our current position, and at least for the short term, that's what we'll continue to do.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's the only thing we have in mind at this point. Uh, you can buy that information from us if you want, and the only currency you can pay us in is by pa- your own participation. So if you are in, if you are a, if you are a company or an organization who has an interest in this, surely you have someone who is directly involved in this kind of work, and they should participate, and that's how they get more detailed information. And when we send out this more detailed information, we encourage them to share it with their professional colleagues. By no means is it a prof- you know professional secret or, or, or a copyrighted then we allow them to share it freely with other people in the organization and other professional colleagues.
2: Mukul put that very well. Remember, we are not preventing anybody from sharing it, but we are giving it directly only to people who are working with us.
0: With the limited public information that's available from your index each month, as well as those who get more detailed information, how can organizations use this information as a metric to sort of help them judge whether their their approach to cybersecurity is effective?
2: We're not asking effectiveness measures per se. In other words, we don't ask things like what percentage of threats have you seen in the last month that you could uh, dismiss out of hand. I mean, that's not the kind of question we're asking. On the other hand, um, as I said earlier, when, you, when you're doing information sharing, one of the things that happens is you get a, you get a view onto whether or not you are seeing the same trends that other people are seeing. And if everybody else seems to be seeing a trend that you don't see, then you have to ask yourself is, has, is, am I a target of some specific entity that for whatever reason wants what I have? In other words, if I have everybody's firewall logs, yours and mine and everybody else's, and they're all exactly alike, it tells me that largely attacks are opportunistic. If they're all alike except one of them is radically different, I would say that person has a, shall we say, special friend. Etc. And it's that ability to say not so much a metric of effectiveness, but a how do we compare to our peers characteristic in terms of the threat space that they see that I think is actually valuable. I've worked as a consultant for a long time, and one of the first questions after you make your presentation, you know, a, a company hires you, you come in, you look around, you tell them what you think, so forth and so forth. One of the first questions they'll ask is, how do we compare to our peers? And in a way, the consultant there is serving as an anonymization engine for information they couldn't otherwise get. And in a way, we're copying that kind of phenomenon here. We're serving as an anonymization engine for what threat space do you see and how is it changing month over month that you can't otherwise easily get. We think that's one of the major values is do I have a trend working for me or against me that is somehow different than everybody else or not? In a way, the right people to now have on your show are people who receive this and can talk to you about that. What we have is anecdotal in this, as Mukul said, the the free text comments that people make. And several of them have been almost to the point of being love letters about we now include this in our own
0: strategic decision making. As you go forward, what changes can we expect in the index?
1: Going forward, a key change that we are looking to implement is to modify the questions that we ask. So for the first one year, we kept the questions constant. And even though we noticed uh, opportunities for improvement, we decided not to make any changes on purpose, as we then explained in the beginning the thoughts that underlie our thinking really you know fourfold so the first thing is that questions that show the smallest amount of month to month variability they add little to to decision support even if they do accurately reflect the reality so some of these questions that haven't shown too much change over the past 12 months we are probably going to either drop them or we are going to we are going to combine it with something else for example in the european union you know things have moved up. Uh, you know they have been bobbing up and down a little bit, but they've stayed kind of constant over the last year. And we don't believe that it adds a lot of uh, a lot of support uh, to the provides any additional information to our respondents or to ourselves. So that's something we are going to drop. In fact, that's uh, there is another reason why we would like to drop something like that, uh, which is that if we believe that uh, that the question doesn't really relate to risk or it provides some sort of uh, illusory. Um, sense of control over something that you really can't control such as regulatory cost uh, then it probably is not adding a great deal of value and we would like to we would like to drop that in the same way what we also want to do is to make the questions easier to answer in our sort of, in a visually, uh, easy. I mean, this is something that you would probably notice if if you were participating, so lay the questions flat out on a single screen where uh, you can get through the questions in a, in a much quicker way. Yet another thing that we want to change is questions about attack methods, uh, which are kind of temporary insofar as attack methods are ephemeral and they keep changing. And therefore, uh, some, of the, some of the newer uh, things need to be included and some of the older ones need to be dropped. Essentially, the key thing that we are looking to do is to focus on the kinds of things that our respondents have alerted us to over the past year. So, for example, people have said, hey, uh, we are going mobile. Uh, our corporation is, is going to utilize the mobile infrastructure. What are we? Uh, can you include a question on that? Similarly, we have had uh, questions about cloud as more and more organizations uh, want to include uh, the cloud as part of their infrastructure. So those are the kinds of things that are going to make it into the index going forward. And then there are other things that we are going to drop. Now, what does that mean for the index? Now, in its totality, the aggregate index will continue uh, uh, you know, in an unbroken way uh, from the past. But what that also means is that the time series for individual sub-indexes uh, is probably going to... Um, uh, to stop for some of the questions and begin anew for for some other, uh, some other questions. And then there are some other questions which will probably see an unbroken line from the beginning of the index all the way forward into next year as well. So, you know, essentially our key focus for next year is making the questions more relevant, incorporating the feedback we have received from our participants, and uh, the second thing we are looking to do, as Dan mentioned, is uh, increase the number of participants and the respondents that we have uh, participating in the index.
2: Let me add two things to what he said. Um, One is the way in which we swap a new question in and swap an old question out. um, We are copying the way the financial world does that when, say, a company in the Dow Jones Industrial Average would be uh, taken out and a different company would be put in and the Dow Jones uh, average does not take a jump because of that. There's a correction factor you apply, and you just proceed, and we're going to do the same thing here. In other words, we're not breaking any new methodologic ground there, which is absolutely on purpose. We're copying the way um, the the financial world uh, works. And His point about variability and so forth, we are looking for things that are um, likely to be of decision support quality and if you can predict the value of something quite reliably in the future, um, there's not a lot of decision support that comes from asking other people what they think. And the bit about pulling out the ones that have low variability is because that isn't an area they, they do not reflect an area where decision support is necessary. The ones where there is a large amount of variability. That's where the decision support becomes interesting, and by pooling the information of a number of people who are sharing their uh, their views, uh, perhaps we can help people on a on the decision support basis. So, we are not again trying to do anything that is novel with respect to the mechanisms we use. We're approaching, though, however, a novel or heretofore novel subject matter, and that's cybersecurity.
0: Anything else you like that?
2: The interest in this. From the people who are in it, does include quite a few of them now have volunteered to introduce colleagues that they know in other firms uh, to the respondent pool. And I can't think of a, uh, if you want to call it that, a better endorsement than, I know some people who should be here. One of the things that Mukul and I did not want to do, in fact, is have this be a creature of our our individual Rolodexes. And so the volunteerism, if you will, of people who are part of the respondent base saying, I know some people who should be there is as good an endorsement uh, as i know how to get and uh, we hope to continue and as you said earlier uh, i don't know what you want to call this an avocation a hobby an obsession something we are continuing to do this on our own in the long run we hope to find a uh, permanent home for it but that is not an immediate necessity but if this turns out to have permanent value well neither one of us are permanent so eventually it'll have to have a home that is permanent but uh, in the meantime We'll continue to run it. You guys having fun doing it? Oh, yeah. It's real work. <laughs> but, you know, it's fun. It's fun to be able to get at things that you can't otherwise get at. And we think we're on to something here. And, you know, so far, so good.
0: Well, thanks, Dan. Thanks, McCool. Thanks, Eddie. You're
2: entirely welcome.
0: Hi. I've been speaking with the co publishers of the Index of Cybersecurity, Dan Gear and Makul Parikh. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.